Hello and welcome to Move the Line. It is draft season. It never stops. This is our favorite time of year. Ryan Noonan joins, as always, in the space, familiar face. Connor, you know, technically this is the start of the next season, which would make this our sixth year doing this together. How are we doing, my friend? Good. Has it really been that long? I mean, that's that's crazy. It's like, uh, I mean, almost a fifth of my life I've been doing this podcast with you at this point which is uh, pretty wild to think about, but there's literally no better time of year to make money than the NFL draft. So couldn't be more excited about this. And uh, I'll let you kick it to our new guest here because I'm stoked to have him on board here. We are in silly season a little bit. It is as we record this, uh, you know, late February, we are pre-free agency. We are pre-combine. Uh, but we are not pre-mock draft season and we are not pre-market season. There are some things out there, uh, even a little bit more than what we've seen in the past. Joining us in this space is a member of our team is often doing other stuff, uh, has his hand deep in the dirt in the MMA spaces where he's very connected, uh, has been pumping out tremendous MMA content for us uh, for almost a year at this point, and has also been one of the best mock drafters in the space for a number of years, uh, formerly at the Action Network, it is our friend Scott Smith. Scott, welcome. Good to have you on. How y'all doing, guys? A little bit under weather today, but look, it, it's it's draft season, so we've got to grind through it. Um, look congested, but uh, look, we're gonna get through it, and I'm I'm pumped to be on board. Uh, you know, I, I've I've kind of watched you guys from afar for a little while, and I'm happy to be part of the team. And I think we've got a lot of good content that we're gonna pump out here throughout draft season with some guests and some other shows. And and you guys talked about it. This is the softest market of the year is the NFL draft. You know, it's fluid throughout the year. It moves uh, leading up to draft time. You have the combine, you have free agency, uh, you know, some pro days are also going to move the line. So if there's a spot throughout the year that that you have the advantage on the on the markets and with the line movement, this is it. Yeah, information markets are completely different, right? We can get into handicapping games. We can get all, all those things where, you know, it's definitely, especially NFL sides, totals. We talk about that all the time on moving the line. The sharpest markets out there. Information markets are completely different. And when you have access to information, that is a very, very different piece um, and oftentimes ahead of the books. Very, very profitable last season, both in the NFL and NBA markets. We're looking to continue that for you here. Uh, bringing Scott into the fold, who might have some different sources and different connections as well, uh, I think is only going to make that better for our subscribers here at 444. So we're going to continue to do these shows all off season, uh, but obviously a draft centric focus here as we lead up into the late April draft uh, behind me in Kansas City. Cool for the Chiefs to uh, not only you know host it after uh, you know winning the championship here Super Bowl uh, just last week. So stay plugged in, subscribe to our YouTube channel here, Four for Four Bets new YouTube channel that is going to be taking on a lot of our betting content. Again, we have a Four for Four YouTube page as well that has a lot of the other uh, fantasy centric stuff. Uh, we want to be focusing here on the YouTube, uh, on the Bets channel. So subscribe. Also in podcast form, wherever you consume podcasts as well. Ratings, reviews, all those things help us a ton. So uh, please jump in there and let us know what other stuff you want to see in the offseason. Uh, happy to, to kind of jump into that as well. Uh, before, I want to let you know we have an availability right now to get a betting subscription. Again, all 4 for 4 subs are ending here very soon at the end of February. You can get a new subscription for the entire year. If you just want to access us and get a taste of what we have to offer and get into the draft-specific sub, we have a three-month subscription available for you coming very shortly. If you are a pick player, you like to get into the uh, 
you know, all those different markets. Maybe you don't have full betting markets. Vivid is a partner of ours. If you download the Vivid app, use promo code 4 for 4 deposit $15, you can get a betting subscription for three months through the drafts. Uh, it's going to cover basically everything we have going on on the site. You'll get some of Scott's MMA stuff. We have NBA. We have college hoops. Connor's going to be digging into uh, college uh, props here soon. Uh, what else am I missing, Connor? 15 bucks at Vivid, right? No, yeah, that's about it. And I just, for reference here with how excited we are to get Scott on board last year, we won over 40 units on the draft officially. Subscribers were telling us they won a lot more because we obviously dropped some breadcrumbs in the chat. We talk about different things on the show as well. And then now Scott, that was before Scott was even an official part of our team. So Scott's going to bring that only to a new level. Uh, I mean, this is easily, easily the best batting day uh, you know, of the year for me and easily the most money I make every year. So it's, it's an awesome time and definitely recommend only 15 bucks to get in there and hang out for a couple of months. It's, it's totally worth it. Yeah. Subscriber discord, I think pays for itself. And that's where a lot of the action is again, your light-minded community. A lot of people that are, you know, grinding any mock draft that comes out, uh, you know, bouncing ideas back and forth. It's a great place to be. Definitely will pay for itself. I promise uh, in draft season. So uh, Scott's first is up on the site. You'll have some, uh, Myself, Connor, John Daigle over the next couple of months. But we're going to kind of digest what's going on uh, with the first first pick. So we'll start there. Scott mocked the trade. And that's what I think is going to be interesting to see is are people mocking the trade with the Bears? Uh, a lot of speculation of what they're going to do there. Uh, I'll kick it to you, Scott, talk about the trade that you made and how you want to talk about this first pick. So... Look, this is my first mock draft of the year. My my process usually like kind of just goes throughout the the time as more information comes in. What I really try to do is nail down on this first mock draft the possibilities that are going to happen within the top ten. I think when you start looking at this, Chicago is pretty set at quarterback. There has been some speculation that you know they they could go ahead and, and make a trade and draft a quarterback, but I, I just don't see that happening. You know, in in this first go round, I have the Colts trading up. Um, what that would take, you know, it could be two first and a third. It could be a, you know, a first, a second, and maybe another first the following year. Um, who knows? That that's going to be for uh, the GMs to work out. But, you know, I, I look at Indianapolis Colts. Frank Reich, who has moved on to Carolina, has recently been fired, and and that is specifically because of the quarterback situation. They went ahead and, and tried to go the veteran route by going Carson Wentz and then Matt Ryan again this year. Neither of them worked out, and so they have a roster that you would think should make the playoffs if they had decent quarterback play. Um, I have them moving up with Chicago from the four spot, and uh, here I have them taking Bryce Young, who from a talent standpoint has everything you can offer. A lot of people compare him to a, a miniature Patrick Mahomes with some of the arm angles and some of the throws he makes. The big red flag with him is going to be his size, and that's what you're going to be looking for at the combine to see what he weighs in at. Um, there has not been a starting quarterback that has succeeded at that weight and that size that he's at. Um, it, it's They're expecting him to weigh in somewhere around 195 pounds, and you just have to wonder, can he take the beating that is going to happen in the NFL at, at that weight and that size? Now, the other information that is floating around there, you have seen Will Levis, who has his detractors, and Will Levis has been the other quarterback that has been heavily connected with Indianapolis. So, you know, throwing it here for my first mock draft, I, I think you're going to have a team moving up, and I landed on the Colts and, and, and them selecting Bryce Young here. Connor, before we get into, like, the first quarterback market, because I, Scott touched on that, that is one of the markets that's out there now. Talk about the Bears in the train, because there are, I think, a lot of questions about how they approach this. And, um, and I think it becomes 
less about Justin Fields and more about just team building, right? Because we know that the magic bullet in the NFL, for the most part, is unless you have a Patrick Mahomes, is that quarterback on a rookie contract. And the thought process around moving off of Justin Fields is that you basically reset your window for two years, right? Justin Fields is now entering the third year of his rookie contract. If you are not sure if he's the guy, and we obviously have questions around limitations of him as a pocket passer. I think his ability as a playmaker, his ability with his legs are, it's indisputable. But the Bears have a ton of question marks. And are they just two or three years, one free agency? Because, right, they have a ton of cap space. They have the number one pick. Does it make sense? I mean, I think it makes sense. Do you think that they really even entertain the thought of moving Justin Fields? Because, again, there are a lot of viable suitors out there, a lot of question marks at quarterback. What are your thoughts as far as what Chicago should do with this draft capital position, all of it? Yeah, I mean, I think there's they have three options right now, and two of which I think are both good. Uh, and so the first one is to trade down, collect multiple assets. So in Scott's mock, he had him trading down with the Colts. I think that's actually probably the most likely scenario at this point, I think, makes the most sense. Uh, but the Texans, the Panthers, the Seahawks, the Raiders, uh, all Falcons, all in the top 10 are all very viable to trade up options. Um, and I think at the end of the day, if they want to keep fields, they get a trade done. So that's option. One of the options, another option, they keep fields, um, and, or they, they trade away fields and keep the number one overall pick and take a quarterback there. And I do think that that's actually a viable option. I know there were rumors actually before they even got the number one overall pick, that they were looking to shop fields and not only beyond just the rookie contract issue. I mean, Ryan Poles didn't draft this guy. He hasn't progressed a much as a passer now, given he has no weapons and, I think that it's hard for this conversation to be had with people in Chicago because they say, oh, well, he's awesome. He willed them to some games that they could have won, which is totally true. He, he's one of the most dynamic runners, uh, undoubtedly, you know, in the ball in his hands. But at the same time, like just because he wasn't good with bad options doesn't mean he will be good with good options. And I think that that's kind of the issue. So I think it's viable. But personally, I think the most likely outcome here is that they do trade down, they collect assets um, and go from there. And so who that ends up being, how that ends up working out, we'll find over the next you know few weeks. But right now we were seeing on offshores, minus 170 for the Bears to trade the pick. I think that should be like minus 300, to be honest. So if you have access to that, uh, I would definitely consider uh, betting on that. Yeah, it's a very interesting start of the draft. It makes mocking very hard, uh, especially early, right? Because like there's the mindset of never mock trades, all right? And then you start putting a player in a spot where – you know, you know, he's probably not going to end up. So like it will like suss itself out here over the next uh, couple of months. Again, we're, we're early, but like we're thirsty. Uh, we know the listeners are thirsty for this stuff too. So it is definitely something that's out there and uh, challenging to, to mock. I think shopping it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you can get the best of both worlds. Theoretically, you can move off of fields and you can still move the pick. I right, say you identify, you know, Will Levis or, you know, you want to take a prospect. Like, uh, again, I don't want to like disparage Justin Fields, but like, Anthony Richardson feels like that type of prospect. Like we know what he could probably do with his legs in this type of environment. He has a ton of questions as a pocket passer as well. Why not do both? You could maybe trade and reset, move down. Uh, again, that's a tough sell probably to the local Chicago media uh, and market who is, you know, thirsty for a viable bears team, but uh, definitely interesting. Again, free agent shapes it too. If the bears are to move down, there's obviously two key prospects on the defensive side that are getting a lot of attention with Will Anderson and Jalen Carter. Like when you look at what's out there from a free agent standpoint, there's a lot of viable defensive tackles um, and, you know, interior defensive linemen where there's not a lot of edge rushers. Um, so like there's the, you know, the bears have a ton of cap space. So like they could be a player 
in the defensive tackle market before the draft, and we'd have probably a better shake of what they would do if they were to trade down and address the defensive side. So I think uh, part of the issue though, too, is though, like, what do you think you could get for Justin Fields? And I want to ask you guys, let's put you on a spot. We didn't prep for this over under pick. We'll say 12, the Texans pick. Do you think they'd get more than that or less than that? We still got three years of rookie deal. Um, but I think that's probably a pretty fair line, which I know is a complete cop out, but um, you know, I'd say maybe a little bit more. I think that's right on the money. The the biggest thing with Justin Fields is you need an offensive coordinator that can develop around Justin Fields. He doesn't have the traditional quarterback skill set. So that's really going to dictate, you know, what surrounding cast you have and what you can build around him. So it's not just an easy move like it would be with a standard quarterback that has the the normal, normal skills in the pocket. It's a good transition because I think a lot of the things that are knocks on Justin Fields uh, again, surrounding cast aside, are what you do see in terms of scouting college helmets um, and and offenses. His inability to read and discern defensive schemes quickly on uh, that processing thing has been something that has been kind of grouped together with a lot of Ohio State quarterbacks coming out. C.J. Stroud is next on the board to Scott and number two to the Houston Texans. Um, is that fair, Scott? Is it fair to really scout the helmet, or is uh, those similar conversations going to be had about C.J. Stroud? Look, there there are definitely situations, especially in college football, when you you look at some of the offensive systems that they have. You know, especially with like air raid systems, for example, like those quarterbacks are, are running a, a certain type of system. And I think when you get into the NFL, you know, how does that system and how are those skills going to go ahead and transfer to the next level? I think when you look at C.J. Stroud, I think he's more developed as a passer than what we're talking about Justin Fields is. He throws with with good anticipation. And Ryan Day there at Ohio State, he he schemes well for, for one and two read plays. Um, the combination of routes that he runs, like it allows open wide receivers. And, and Justin Fields look good in college doing that. C.J. Stroud is, is as well. Look, he throws a good deep ball. He throws with anticipation. The big knock on him is his pocket awareness, and that's something he's going to have to clean up at the next level. Um, You start looking at here, I have him number two to Houston. And I think when we talk about quarterbacks, and you look at David Carr way back in the day, he got killed as a a prospect because he just didn't have an offensive line in front of him. I think C.J. Stroud can develop at the next level and can be a good quarterback, but he's got to clean up some things in the pocket. So having a good offensive line, which – Houston's not bad as far as their offensive line, I think will help him um, to go ahead and succeed at the next level. Yeah. It, it, the debate, or I guess the thoughts around this, we talked about it a lot in our, our subscriber discord, but Justin Fields versus CJ Stroud coming out of Ohio state, uh, obviously different prospects in terms of the fields, a lot more dynamic with his legs, but as a passer fields, average 9.2 yards per attempt, 68% completion rate, 67 passing touchdowns, nine interceptions, CJ Stroud, 9.8 yards per attempt, 69% completion rate, 85 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. So better in every single category. They played roughly about two seasons each. Now Fields played, I think, a couple fewer games, but still it's like the the rate stats are still a little bit better for C.J. Stroud. I think that you can make the argument that any of Stroud, Will Levis, or Bryce Young could go number one overall. I think they're all very much in play at this point. Um, And not to bring it back to the number one overall pick selection here, but one thing that I did want to bring up about uh, Chris Ballard is Right now, if we look at the quarterbacks the Colts have had under Chris Ballard, all of them have been six four or higher or taller. Um, and he is, you know, generally preferred taller quarterbacks. That being said, he did go on record talking about how the traits that he scouts are about accuracy and about you know being able escapability and being able to like maneuver through the pocket. So 
there is a lot of talk right now about height, about weight, how much that matters. We also have Jim Rousse coming out and saying like, Hey, like I really like this Bryce young guy. I think that means absolutely nothing, but I think it's that it's, it's notable to say the least. So I think that all those guys are in play at one, all those guys are in play at two, because I think almost certainly Houston is taking a quarterback as well. I think the important takeaway at this point in the draft is that we want to fire at stuff, right? Cause we're, we're thirsty. We're, we're like season's over. We can't, I can't bet tackles. I want to get in on some action. Just be cautious right now. I think these are really like we don't know and we will know. Um, and I think that they're oftentimes we're going to be presented with these small windows before everyone knows and before all the market shifts. Not for every player, not for every situation, but there will be times where we can get down and feel like we're getting down good. And that I think is really important to have a little bit of restraint at times. Um, I think, you know, laying minus 150, minus 170 on, on Bryce Young to be the first quarterback selected is really dumb right now. Um, we're going to have some time to do that, even though it feels like that makes a lot of sense. Cause I do think he is the best prospect in terms of what we've seen. All the measurables will be playing themselves out here in the next couple of months. These guys are want to get their hands on them at the pro days, get them on the whiteboard. We'll start to get some information. So um, just proceed with caution. Um, then we're going to have some markets to, to jump into sooner than later. Yeah, it's such a good point. Uh, Vegas Refund, our friend of the show, brought up a great point. So on, I think it was actually four days from now, this point last year, Evan Neal was minus 200 to be the number one overall pick. Like, that's how far off. And then, it, you know, things changed so much. Then Iki Iquanu became the favorite. Then Trayvon Walker, you start climbing up. But then it was Aiden Hutchinson for a long time. Like, there will be a chance if you like C.J. Stroud, which, you know, definitely he's a, a great player. I think you, there will be better opportunities to bet on him than right now. I feel like he lost the best of the number on Will Levis. You're still going to get a really good number on Will Levis if it is going to be Will Levis. So, you know, we'll have time to to kind of work things out. I think the most common thing we're seeing in mocks right now, Scott, when you look across the industry and seeing a lot of things coming out, is a very easy landing spot for Will Anderson uh, out of Alabama, who, again, was – if you if we had markets available six months ago, Will Anderson would have been the prohibited favorite to go number one overall. Just kind of a, a really clean prospect, dominant uh, profile at Alabama – um, fits a hole for the Cardinals who have a lot of holes. Um, you know, they need edge rusher. Uh, they, they need a lot of help basically on both sides of the ball. I think it makes a ton of sense for them to trade down. Um, but we'll see what happens there. Uh, they are kind of in a spot where, you know, they have questions at quarterback as well. Not necessarily who it is, but who's going to be their quarterback for this season. Cause we had a late season ACL for Kyler. Uh, very, it makes a ton of sense for the Cardinals to try to punt uh, the season off, but we'll see what they do here. But Will Anderson, kind of an easy layup for you right now, I'm guessing, at number three. Actually, he's not. So okay. I think there's there's a lot of argument, and I kind of went back and forth with this pick, whether it was going to be him or Jalen Carter. Um, you look at Gannon taking over as the head coach for, for Arizona, coming over from Philadelphia, and that, that you look at that Philadelphia defense, and it was really kind of built from the inside out. So You've got J.J. Watt retiring. You, you've got a, a new head coach that's very defensive-minded. I, I ended up landing on Will Anderson just because traditionally, you know, that defensive end spot is a little bit more valued. But in today's NFL, it, it's starting to get harder and harder to get that interior pass rush. So uh, for right now, I am landing on Will Anderson, but I, I think it's really going to be a toss-up in this spot between both he and, and Jalen Carter. Um, and it's going to be something that this spot – you can also look at if one of these other teams want to move up and get that third quarterback that comes off the board. This is another spot for Arizona who can move down. 
So I think there's going to be a lot of options here. This is one of the spots I'm going to be looking at in the draft. You know, a lot of people think that this draft starts at pick five. So I think the the Arizona Cardinals are kind of a wild card here as far as how they can go ahead and play this draft in this position with some some options to move down, options to go ahead and take Will Anderson, Jalen Carter. I think there's a lot of things and flexibility they have here. Yeah, you referenced the Eagles thing, Jonathan Gannon coming on. Uh, the, the Eagles, uh, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, both free agents as well. So like they can address that position with the same guys even uh, in Arizona and then add uh, to the edge as well. So definitely interesting to see how that uh, plays itself out. Connor, any uh, thoughts on how that plays out there in Arizona? No, it's a great point that's brought up though. I mean, obviously the, all the talk right now is, oh, the Bears are going to trade down. The Bears are going to trade down. Like the Cardinals can very easily trade down as well. And that's a, an option that if they don't have, uh, you know, an elite grade on any of these guys or, you know, they, they could very easily trade down again with one of those quarterback needy teams, Raiders, Falcons, Panthers, kind of that bottom top 10 range, pick up some more draft picks and still get a guy, maybe a Tyree Wilson, Christian Gonzalez, somewhere around that. Miles Murphy will all be in that range probably at that point. So, you know, like, I think that's a, that's a great point there that you brought up. So I, I've again, lean Will Anderson right now, just because he seems like he's the best, probably the best prospect in their minds. But uh, I think it's, it's very much up in the air. All right. Uh, the, the bears, again, we have them sliding down from one to four. Uh, we have Jalen Carter going there again, as you mentioned, if people think the draft starts at five, you know, feel pretty good about these top two defensive prospects going there. Again, I think it's going to be interesting to see uh, a little bit of, of how that plays out with the bears having so much money in free agency and defensive tackle interior defensive line being a, a pretty deep position uh, in the free agent market, but I'll go to number five. Uh, and you got, you could stop me uh, just to keep it moving. If you had anything on Jalen Carter, but, uh, a lot of talk about Seattle, we're seeing a lot of, uh, edge rusher Tyree Wilson in particular mock there. That's who you have as well. Uh, may have questions. I think at quarterback, you can, Gino played really well, but again, like, do they want to really reset here? Um, you know, they could extend him for a year. They could put him on a franchise tag. You know, I think quarterback is a spot that Seattle could go, or it could be another place where they could trade down and continue to add resources to again, always takes a partner, but Connor just referenced seven, eight, nine are all viable quarterback trade up options. Um, any thoughts on Seattle drafting a quarterback? Did you consider that here at all in your mock? Look, you talk about Seattle and moving down. I actually think if they're another wild card to move up, they have another pick here in the first round um, that they can go ahead and utilize. It's just going to be how comfortable are they with, with Gino moving forward? Um, you know, he's been in the league for a while, kind of a journeyman backup, played well over expectations this year as far as what he did. Um, you've also got some other pieces within this offense. Uh, when we start looking at it, Tyler Lockett's getting up in age 30. He seems like he's been around forever. So it, it's just depending whether or not they want to go ahead and, and take that shot versus, you know, filling out the rest of the lineup around Gino. As of right now, I kind of think they're going to go ahead and, and try to fill out the rest of the lineup. I think they'll, they'll give Gino another year and see how it goes. And I, I think that's fair. I think Gino Smith earned another year as a starter based upon the way that he played. And, and I think you you owe it to both Gino and the team to see if you can move forward as a as a playoff-bound football team with Gino Smith at quarterback. If it works out, then then you're doing well. If not, then you're right back drafting in the top 10 again. Yeah, Connor Scott mentioned this is technically the Broncos pick from the Russell Wilson trade. Seattle has their own pick uh, at pick 20 there as well. What would you do if you were Seattle? Yeah, it breaks my heart, you know. The Broncos, uh, <laughs> so sad, you know. <laughs> I can't believe that it worked out that way. Um, yeah, I think 
you so Scott has them going defense for both uh player like both picks. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think there's just a lot of ways they can play it. Um, I mean, yeah, trading down would make sense, but since they already had that other pick, like, yeah, if they really if they want to go get Will Anderson, I mean, this could be a great opportunity to move up to three to go get him um, and make get a guy who, if they view him as like a true difference maker immediately, like you know, they definitely need some help, uh, you know, along the line there defensively. So I think it makes a lot of sense either way. And one thing with Seattle, one thing with Seattle here is when we start talking about them being there in five, you've seen it in past drafts where you're going to have teams come up to get the quarterback. And that's that may push a player like Will Anderson or, or Jalen Carter down right there to that number five spot. So if you have three quarterbacks go within those first five, those first four picks, they're going to they're going to be there in a prime spot to let a, a, a good player fall, especially there on defense. So. I think they're in a good position to go ahead and sit tight and, and let the board play out and come to them and, and take the best player available. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Six feels like a great spot to trade down. I think people are going to uh, talk about that often. You know, Detroit, again, has, um, you know, some some shots here too. They have 18 along with six. Um, I do think that they have concerns, and, and you're addressing them here in the secondary um, with Christian Gonzalez, defensive back from Oregon. Again, we saw some better play out of Jeffrey Okuda last year. The rest of the secondary uh, across the board is, is pretty weak. They definitely have to address it. But because I think the position at corner is both deep um, and deep at the top, I think really kind of deciding who you think the top corner is, you know, I think there are you know, three viable corner options. I think that's going to be an interesting market here. You know, over-unders on the corners, first corner off the board, because I really think you have both Joey Porter Jr. Uh, and then Devin Witherspoon as well. All very viable uh, options here. Gonzalez has a lot of ball skills. People like him quite a bit. Uh, Scott, talk to me about that pick. Yeah, from from a size-speed standpoint, um, I like I like him here. You know, I, I think he's he's going to be the top cornerback, especially once the, the testing and stuff. You, you've got some size concerns with uh, where Witherspoon's going to weigh in at. Um, you know, Joey Porter really came on and developed a little bit more this year at, at Penn State. So I, I think you have to look and look at a lot of things. I think this pick, and anybody that plays fantasy football knows, in 2022, you targeted that Detroit defense. Um, you, you sat there, they, they made some changes in the middle of the season, got a little bit better, um, started playing the, the run, but that that secondary was horrible. Okuda is by no means a sure thing. I, I think they need to go ahead and shore that up. And, and we talked about it. Look, this is a deep draft as far as like cornerback. There is not a a number one overall bona fide like player at this position. You're going to have teams that that like these guys a little bit differently and rate them differently. But here, I just think it, what you have from Okuda and some of the other stuff in that that secondary. I think you know. This is this is where he's going to go ahead and fit, and I think this is the pick. Yeah, I think that's going to be an interesting market to watch. Definitely, think schematic fit. I think you're going to have some teams that like guys differently, and that'll be something that will probably get some whispers out uh, in there before we uh, have to fire anything here draft wise. Um, next, we move down to. I mean, the Raiders would love to sit at seven and have Will Levis fall into their lap. Obviously, moving on from Derek Carr, investing. Uh, heavily in the offense last year, bringing on Josh McDaniels, an offensive-minded head coach, you know, investing in Devontae Adams. Um, Connor, they'd love to sit at seven and grab Will Levis. Yeah, I think that's uh, a perfect marriage there as well. I guess the the question is, like, with, you know, if they do bring in Jimmy Garoppolo, like, how does that kind of 
you know, how does that kind of work there? Uh, you know, like where, where do they still value the quarterback position, you know, as much if they're still getting a guy that they feel good about. Uh, and so that'd be my only question with the Raiders. Uh, and I think that it kind of with the lions works like similarly, if they bring in a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, the Lions still have Jared Goff. Like do either of these teams still consider a quarterback in this, in this instance, um, for the lions, for me, it's, it's a no, I don't think that they consider quarterback at, at six, but, uh, seven, I mean, again, if they really like a guy like Levis and they only view, uh, you know, Garoppolo is like a stopgap, a bridge quarterback. Um, I think that they could very well go with uh, Levison. For me, this 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 was a pick I wasn't necessarily comfortable with. Um, I slotted him there because the other dominoes have not fall, fallen yet. And the dominoes we're talking about is Derek Carr, Aaron Rodgers, and Jimmy Garoppolo. Free agency and, and the trade market is going to be huge with, with figuring out the, the rest of this draft and specifically where those quarterbacks fall. Um, Aaron Rodgers in, in particular, I think he wants to be in California. Um, I, I can see him reuniting there with, with Devontae Adams. Jimmy Garoppolo has the history with, with Josh Childress. So there, there's a lot of things that, that we still need to, to go ahead and play out before we can feel comfortable with, with this pick at all. When you start looking at their roster, look, they, they have big time holes on the right side of that offensive line. Um, both their starting right guard and their, their right tackle are free agents going into this. So let's just let's just look at a different scenario. For now, I have them with Levis because they do not have a, a startable quarterback. I don't think they would go with Jared Stidham, you know, for the entirety of the season. Um, who's I think Stidham's actually also a, a free agent, so th they're going to make a move from a quarterback standpoint. If they don't, I have Will Levis here because that move hasn't been made. If they do make a move, I, I think one of the things you're going to be looking at is possibly this could be a spot for a top offensive lineman to come off the board. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I could see uh, typically have a couple of guys there that are jumped in there too. Uh, so not a real clear offensive tackle currently. And we'll see how that kind of plays out. Next to the Falcons, I really was trying to go through this a little bit. I, I don't know who's starting at any for any team in the NFC South at quarterback. Um, I think maybe Desmond Ritter is your maybe most locked in quarterback. There are questions there depending on what they want to do, but like, Kyle Trask in Tampa Bay, like who knows what's going on in that division. It's an absolute mess, but we are now dealing with a team who is basically two years in a row had a historically bad pass rush. Um, they need to do something. They tried to address it like in the second and third rounds last year. It didn't work out a ton. Um, they are in position to address it there this year. There are some viable options on the board. And Scott, that's how you landed here in the mock with Miles Murphy from Clemson. Yeah, I think Miles Murphy, he's he's a player for Clemson who has the talent. It's going to be interesting to see how he tests out at the Combine. Um, I think he's in, in play at, with, with Seattle earlier at, at five to see you know, where, where he may go. But he's a guy who didn't have the production that you'd like to see there at, at Clemson. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's really going to be dependent on, on how, how he tests. But you, you have a new defensive coordinator over there, Ryan Nielsen, um, somebody who I'm familiar with here in the local area is moving over from New Orleans uh, to be a defense coordinator over there in Atlanta. So you start looking at some of the players that that you have, Cam Jordan and, you know, some of those guys from, from New Orleans. I, I think they need to address that defensive line, specifically that pass rush, and I, I think Miles Murphy would be a good pick here. Panthers are next to nine, Connor. Kick it to you is, you know, massive steam on Anthony Richardson, quarterback out of Florida yesterday. That's who uh, Scott has mocked here. We know the Carolina – Similar to Indy, has just tried to kind of play whack-a-mole a little bit at the quarterback position in the last couple of years. I uh, have not really landed on anything. Again, we get one mock draft from a you know national 
um, reporter, not someone who's historically done well on mocks either, by the way, um, and mocks him to go number one. And we have Anthony Richardson to go number one. Market moves from 100 to one uh, to 40 to one and is down to like six or seven in some spots now. And again, like this is why I talk about the top. It's crazy season, silly season. Like these things are, are so fleeting. One mock draft, um, which again, it does his job. He's He wants to get clicks. People clicked on that yesterday to try to see what the hell is going on there. Um, again, crazy talented prospect. Someone's going to love him. Um, there's like some Trey Lance vibes here, right? We just have a lot of questions about him outside of him being an athletic freak, but we know it's kind of the skeleton key these days. If you can have an athletic freak, someone who can you know extend plays, play 11 on 11, um, Richardson kind of checks all those boxes. Now, again, he peaked to like 57% completion percentage uh, at Florida. So there are definitely questions and concerns about his pocket ability. What are your thoughts on the market movement and Anthony Richardson as a whole? Yeah, so he was like a hundred to one at one point before the you know before this all happened. He was sitting around fifty to one, thirty to one the last few weeks, and all of a sudden there was a mock draft came out, had him number one overall, uh, and that shot his odds all the way up to like seven to one. Please don't bet on Anthony Richardson at seven to one. Look, I mean, I think that there's hundred to one. Sure, you know, I bet it made worse bets at hundred to one. Uh, you know, like anything can happen if he. I think he's gonna have a great combine. He's athletic. He looks good in shorts. I think like. But this is way baked in at this point. I mean, there are three prospects who, I mean, are, I think, in most minds of NFL, you know, decision makers are significantly better than Anthony Richardson. Now, Anthony Richardson has a ton of upside, but I mean, none of that upside was tapped through. I mean, very little of that passing upside was tapped into uh, at Florida and rushing upside was obviously on display. But, uh, you know, as we're seeing with Justin Fields, that is not always necessarily desirable by NFL GM. So, but I do think, though, so you have the Panthers mocking mocked quarterback here. I think they're the most desperate team right now in the NFL to get a quarterback. Um, after what we've seen from them the past few years, we know that they were in on the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. They were heavy, heavy bidders. Uh, you know, I had gotten word last year or two years ago that they were like putting in like as much as he wanted, basically. But ultimately, he didn't want to end up in Carolina. And that's basically what tipped the tables there at the last minute. So from my understanding, I think that they're, they are actually a very likely trade-up candidate to trade up to get whatever they want. I think that uh, ever since David Tepper came in in 2018, the the owner, they bought the team. Like I, I, he hasn't had a quarterback, and he hasn't been able to execute on anything that he's gotten done. Scott Fitter as well, the GM, like they really haven't been able to find a quarterback. So I think that they're going to get one no matter what um, because they're, there's no way that they're playing the quarterback free agency game again uh, because otherwise they're going to – I mean, they got left out the last few years. Yeah, how do you feel about that, Scott? Do you agree with that? How is was this an easy sliding for you, or where are you at? Look, it, it, it's another one that's not an easy slide. And we talked about these quarterbacks. They all kind of have their warts. I, I think what you have to look at with Anthony Richardson, with all the talent he has, he makes plays that you look at and you're like, oh, my gosh, how, how can a, another quarterback make this? And then the simple plays, as far as an accuracy standpoint, like you're like, what is going on? So I, I think the scouts and a lot of analysts are around you know, the draft community seem to think that Anthony Richardson's a year or two away. And so when you start slotting him in, you really have to look at GMs and you know coaches that have that, that kind of leeway to go ahead and wait a year or two. I think Anthony Richardson would actually slot in best with a team, and, and this is just, a, just me thinking out loud, a, a team like Detroit would, would, would be kind of the team where you have that bridge quarterback in, in a Jared Goff to allow Anthony Richardson to sit for a year or two and develop until he's ready for NFL level competition and to deal with those offenses and defensive schemes that he's going to go ahead and see. Um, right now, I do have him here. He just, just the way he fell. 
in my mock draft, I, I think, you know, he it's it's still a spot that I think he can land. Um, you, you start looking at it, and can Frank Reich, who played quarterback in the NFL, can he develop some of the things that are missing in Anthony Richardson as a coach? Um, that's really what the question is going to be. You, you've already heard lingerings with uh, Carr going to Carolina. That's kind of one of the spots that uh, he's been linked to, as well as New Orleans. Um, and we talked about earlier, this, this NFC South is – quarterback hunter hungry across the board you just don't know who's going to be starting for any of these teams so this is a spot we talked about how hungry they are for quarterback and if things don't shake out the way they want it to in free agency this is a spot where i think they may be desperate and have to to go ahead and pick here if nobody no other trade trade spot uh, open up for them to trade up eagles are next on the clock they have that pick from the saints in uh that trade from chris Olave last year where they flipped i think they flip again um I, they have a lot of question marks they're losing a lot of uh, free agency on the defensive side. They could bring some of those guys back. Um, I think the offensive side has fewer question marks. So again, Miles Sanders is a free agent. They have to handle the Jalen Hurts contract situation. But I think, again, having multiple firsts here, knowing that they like to trade down anyway, um, you know, will work well for Howie Roseman last year. I'd be very, very, very surprised if the Eagles make this pick. Um, now, again, James Bradbury – is uh, probably walking away in free agency as well. Another guy that could uh, chase Jonathan Gannon to the, the desert in Arizona. Uh, they have questions at that corner there. That could happen. You could see, you know, basically Philly West out in Arizona. So Scott currently mocking Joey Porter Jr., quarterback from Penn State to Philadelphia here. It's a need. Uh, but again, I don't feel like that they make this pick. But uh, talk to me about where you are. I guess we touched briefly on Christian Gonzalez. Joey Porter here. We're gonna have Devin Witherspoon a little bit. Um, is this more like fit for team, or is these kind of is this kind of how you see the position? I, I really think that when you start looking at it, you, you talked about um, James Bradbury, but you, look, CJ Gardner Johnson, another one that's a free agent. They're they're free safety that started for him. Epps is a, is a free agent. There's a lot of turnover here in the secondary, and, and Darius Slay, while he's played well over the last few years, he's getting up in age as well. So this is more of a need pick. I, I think Joey Porter. Uh, Kind of the the way he plays and the way he's developed, I think would go ahead and fit in it, in his scheme. But there's another player that I played with a lot here that I, I think as as it goes on, you're going to start getting some steam some steam. And, and look, we start talking about running back. Philadelphia has tried trading for running backs. Alvin Kamara, they've been in the running back mix. I don't think they're totally happy with uh, Miles Sanders and Bijan Robinson's a player that I had a tough time really trying to find a spot for. I think he's more close in that, that top 15 range. I think when you start talking about Philadelphia trading back, maybe acquiring some more picks, defensive back being deep in this draft, I think Philadelphia is a team that if they don't stay in this position, they can move back five to six spots and be that team that reaches early on Bijan Robinson and gets him off the board rather than letting him fall to the late pot spot of the draft where I have basically Bijan going later on here. Um, but look, if they stay here, this is specifically a, a just a, a pick of need. I, I think they really need help in that secondary with uh, some of the players they have age and some others that are leaving in free agency. Yeah, no, that's, I think that's such a great point on Bijan Robinson in general because everyone has talked like, like from a prospect level. This is like the best running back we've seen in a while. They're like, oh, he should be a top ten pick. But then if you go through the top ten picks, you're like. I mean, the Lions, maybe, but like, you know, I really don't think that fits with what their GM has been doing. Um, like the Eagles, I guess, but like, the, I mean, the Tech, Texans have a running back. The Jets are good. 
I mean, the Patriots wouldn't pick a running back at 14, I don't think. I mean, barring another, you know, Sony Michelle disaster. Sorry, Siege. Um, you know, I think that like the issue is like you're gonna see his over-under probably in his mid-teens, but like it's really hard to find a spot for him where I'm like, okay, that makes a lot of sense based on what these guys have and like what these teams prioritize. So yeah, I think a team like the Eagles could make sense if they trade down. I think it would be a tough ask, especially with how much they're losing in the secondary for them to stand pat at 10 and pick Bijan. Yeah, he's going to be an interesting uh, study here over the next couple of months because, you know, he he definitely is that dude. I think there are no questions there just as a combination of how we've seen teams handle the position over the last five to ten years and, you know, basically how the need fits as well because you just, you're just going to be able to grab someone for very little in the free agent market and probably be able to get a – 150 useful carries out of them. So it just, it becomes more of a, a roster building thing, which is, is definitely interesting. Um, that was the working through the top 10 kind of buzz through a few of these. If there's something in particular, uh, Scott, that you want to talk about, go ahead and stop me. Tennessee is the next at 11. Tennessee has a ton of questions. I cannot wait to see what the Tennessee win total comes out at. Uh, be very interested in, in blind betting the under. They're basically having to replace four, maybe five, starters along the offensive line. It was a bad offensive line to begin with. Another place that has massive quarterback questions, uh, pretty substantial cap hit for Ryan Tannehill. We saw enough from Malik Willis. I mean, that might not be fair, but I feel like we saw enough from Malik Willis to go, that ain't it. They can't roll into the season with Malik Willis. They pretty much have one of the worst receiver groups in the league. Uh, A lot of questions on the defensive side. The unit kind of underperformed. You're mocking um, Paris Johnson, a uh, big old offensive tackle out of Ohio State here. Again, they have that need. They need a ton more. Uh, next, Houston with Quentin Johnson. That's our first receiver off the board. Quentin Johnson, big body. Uh, I think we'll obviously going to test really well. Shorts and t-shirt at the combine for whatever he does. They have a lot of questions there. You know, Brandon Cooks, again, seems to be he was unsettled last year. Be interested to see what happens there. Uh, you mentioned uh, John Mechie drafted late last year. Had leukemia dealt with that. He'll be coming back. They have a lot of questions talent-wise there. Uh, I guess talk to me about the Texans there. Again, second pick for them and them kind of, you know, addressing offense, pairing a quarterback with a receiver, and then him being Johnson himself being the uh, first receiver off the board. Yeah, I think when you look at it, uh, look, D'Amico Ryans may end up wanting to go ahead and build defensively rather than pick a a wide receiver here. So that's the other thing that I was kind of weighing out and trying to decide where I was going to go. Um, I I think when you start looking at it specifically with the Bengals and how they've kind of built out their offense by pairing up uh, young quarterbacks with young wide receivers, you see the upside of doing so. I I don't expect Brandon Cooks to uh, basically play in Houston this, this year. They were trying to trade him before at the trade deadline and it didn't happen. He's uh, kind of said that he's not too happy being there. And I, w- I want to say he's like the most traded wide receiver in the history of NFL, apparently. He's been on multiple teams and put up a thousand yards. He's he's he's, he's pretty successful as far as what he does, but just I, I don't think he's going to be long in the tooth for Houston. Um, this is a team I don't think many people have expectations for. You have a new head coach. So I, I kind of have them building on the offensive side of the ball here with that that pick 12 with uh, Quentin Johnson, who I think when it comes to the combine, you look at how big he is and how he's going to test out. And I think a lot of teams are going to start getting a, a bit higher on him. Now, the one question mark he does have when you look at his film is that 
he doesn't always play as physical as what his size dictates. There's there's a lot of times, especially in the film that you can look at from this past season, where he just did not attack the ball in the air. He, he was rather waiting for the ball to come to him. And it, it's very inconsistent as how he, he attacks the football. So that's something you'd like to see him clean up. And I think it's something that it would be interesting to see in, in shorts and T-shirts, how he, how he does at the combine. But I think he's absolutely going to test well, which is going to drive his price up. You mentioned the Bengals too as a as a quarterback wide receiver pairing. What about Jackson Smith? I don't even pronounce it like Jigba uh, with uh, Stroud. Look, uh, you know I, I like Jackson Smith and, and Jigba. The, what I'm hearing from the scouting community is that a lot of a lot of NFL teams are basically questioning why he didn't play. There, there's some rumors coming out that that he could have made it back for the season and put some things on tape this year and chose not to do so. Um, so, so that's something that kind of has him, you know, kind of moving down. And, and when we start looking at it, I, I have him landing in Baltimore. And you look at some of the the coaching hires and, and, and stuff that that you have in Baltimore. Baltimore is essentially, I think they they brought in Todd Munkin. I think they're going to go ahead and look to to basically run an air raid with Lamar Jackson and open it up. They don't have the weapons to do that as of right now. So I think they're going to be a, a team later on in the draft within this first round that's going to be searching for a wide receiver. And, and that's where I have Jackson Smith and, and Jigba Landon. Um, but look, we talk about combines and pro days all the time. That's where you're going to see a lot of this market changing and moving. There's going to be a lot of fluidity throughout the process. And I think you just have to look at how some of these guys test and run. And specifically when it comes to the combine this year, it's not going to be the top names necessarily that, that you're seeing in this draft that are the household names, but there are going to be some wide receivers that are going to put some fast 40 times at the combine that are going to kind of change the way teams are looking at some of these players. Connor, we'll pause there in the draft because we can talk about one of the markets that is out there currently, and that is first receiver off the board. Um, the market currently matches Scott's mock in terms of Quentin Johnson being the top uh, receiver off the board. Next, you have Jordan Addison for the most part, depending on, you know, it's available in a few books um, currently looking at FanDuel. Um, but Jordan Addison out of USC next on the, uh, on the market at plus 230. Jackson Smith and Jigbo we just talked about uh, plus 430 on FanDuel. Uh, Jalen Hyatt has got a lot of steam. I know we've you know some people I believe VR previously mentioned. Uh, I think he got like 25. Like he opened up at a pretty big number. That one's moved quite a bit. Uh, and there are some Zay flower stands uh, and some people that are you know want to discredit him a little bit. He's been fluctuating. And I think actually, depending on where you're shopping right now, it's fairly different uh, numbers out there. Any thoughts to that market and any thoughts on a, a market that will be inevitable, which is one of the favorites out there is over under receivers in the first round, um, typically four and a half, five and a half or so. What are your thoughts on um, the, the wide receiver market here? Yeah, I think the guy, all the guys you mentioned will go in the first round. So the over-under should be will be either a four and a half heavy juiced over, like minus 200, minus 250 over, or you're going to see a five and a half juiced under at like really heavy as well. Because then after Zay Flowers, you're going to like uh, Kayshawn uh, from LSU, uh, Josh Downs, Rasheed Rice, like none of those guys probably sneak it in the first round. Um, and so I think that that's probably going to be the number we see in terms of which first wide receivers, like which wide receivers drafted first. Like Scott said, it's going to come down to combine, pro days, uh, you know, making sure all of them, you know, stay safe from now until the NFL draft, essentially. Um, but I do think if you want to bet on it again, like goes back to the Bryce Young conversation, don't lay the chalk at this point. Like, you know, bet, bet, you know, you want JSN at plus 400. I, I can't fault you at that. Um, uh, you know, like I think that there's plenty of better options. Jordan Addison, plenty of like people like him. You're getting more than two to one on that. I think personally that, um, Hyatt could get there, but I think he's more of a outside looking in kind of guy between a 
for me, I think it's more of Addison, Quinn Johnson, and maybe JSN if, if a team really discounts, you know, uh, his last year. But it seems like, like Scott said, that people, teams are weighing that, like, you know, it's, it's a big deal. So I would just wait. But I think if you want to sprinkle some of the, the middle tier guys, that's probably your best move. I think when it comes to this market, Addison's the guy that makes the most sense here. Um, you look at what he did there at Pittsburgh and then transferring to USC. He's got success at, at two different conferences. He, he's able to do a lot of things well. So he can play in the slot. He can play on the outside. And he's had success uh, across the board. So for me right now, as far as the betting standpoint goes, I think Addison's going to be the guy who's, who's going to make the most sense from a betting standpoint early on. But like you said, you can go ahead and wait as far as the over and under. Look, I, I've got five guys as far as I, I expect to go in the first round. Uh, Kayshawn Butte has got talent, but has been very inconsistent and has got some off the field things. He was actually dismissed from LSU um, for that that bowl game. Um, but but look, you're talking Johnston, Addison, uh, JSN, Hyatt, and Flowers. I think those five guys are are going to be pretty good shot to go in the first round. So I, I like that number at five. If uh, you can go ahead and get it a little bit of action, I think four and a half that is that number that you're going to be looking. Yeah, to watch that market as it uh, as it comes out. Again, we don't know. Uh, this market even being available is a little bit earlier than last year. We're, we're kind of coming up on like early March when I was looking at, you know, my uh, ledger from last year. It's kind of when I started making a little bit of, of uh, some action. I got in a little bit late on the Quanu, but got it down on that like early March. Uh, so we're starting to see things. Just keep an eye on it. We'll be here in Discord uh, doing our best to uh, make sure we stay on top of that for you. Poor Jordan Addison, Scott, you have him mocked 14th in New England, who has just been the absolute kiss of death for early rounds, uh, you know, wide receiver selections. So we'll see how that kind of plays out. Obviously a need for them in a big, big way. Uh, Jacoby Myers, the free agent, they just, the fact that Jacoby Myers is, you know, their number one receiver speaks to the issues in New England anyway. But uh, the pick before that, uh, you're the second offensive lineman. You have the Jets in the division. Uh, Peter Skaronski, the offensive tackle out of Northwestern, offensive line outside of quarterback is how uh, they've built up there. They obviously are in the midst of waiting for Aaron Rodgers to work his way out of the darkness and see what's going to happen there. There's going to be other options out there too. I mean, Derek Carr slides in there and probably makes them a playoff team considering what happened at the position for them last year. So interesting to see what happens with the Jets. Mentioned there, Jordan Nattis. 14 to there but we move to green bay who have a ton of questions obviously starting with aaron Rodgers, uh you have uh michael mayer tight end on notre dame who we have been hearing about for years loaded tight end um and depending on what here we have traditional receiving style tight ends you have guys that can do a little bit of everything more inline guys uh talk to me about this one excuse me uh, this, this really just comes down to the Aaron Rodgers situation. Um, I think he played green Bay very badly and, uh, got the, his max contract. Now he's looking uh, to go ahead and exit and, and be on a different team. So you're going to find yourself looking at Jordan love. And what's the, the one thing that we had issues with Aaron Rodgers with last year was weapons. He just didn't have enough weapons and the, the guys they did have were, were young. So I think if they're going to give Jordan love a, a realistic chance to be successful, they need to go ahead and get him another weapon. Um, you start looking at Michael Meyer and the, the stylistically is a little bit more Gronk than he is Kelsey. Um, he can do a little bit of all. Um, I, I just think you, you start looking at what they have there. And, and this is a guy that from an offensive standpoint would make sense. Um, if they went a different route, 
I, I think you start looking at the secondary and uh, Brian Branch is another guy that I was kind of considering for this position there on the, the other side of the ball, being able to play uh, both safety and that, sl that nickel slot. So uh, I think there's a lot of options here for Green Bay, but if they're going with Jordan Love, you, you have to surround him with, with some talent to go ahead and give him a chance to succeed. Yeah, for sure. No, that makes uh makes a lot of sense there. Uh definitely. Um uh, kind of rolling, continue to roll down the board. Uh here we have uh the Washington Commanders 16 picking Noonan's guy, Devin Witherspoon. I think Noonan is a big Witherspoon uh fan, at least from my early taking there. Um I mean Noonan, the tape's any, great. Any takes on Witherspoon? Yeah. The tape is great, dude. He's just got that dog in him. Again, as someone who is uh you know looking to to watch these guys from a, a tackling standpoint, like Witherspoon's going to be just a dude that it puts his nose in it. Um, you know, Scott might have some other stuff. Just like I remember watching that uh, really close Michigan Illinois game, and like I got he was all over the field uh, in that game against uh, against Michigan. So he just seems like a guy like I very could very easily see him fitting even at, De at Detroit at six. Um, just feels like that type of guy that they have. Again, I, I joke that he's just got like that kneecap biting type of mentality. Just can see that that, that dog in him. Um, again, it may be not the coverage corner that a Christian Gonzalez is, or maybe even a Joey Porter Jr., but I think teams are going to fall in love with him uh, on, you know, on tape. So we're interested to see what happens to that position. But uh, if he's going to open up as like the third of the position, um, and again, we've seen some offshores float over-unders on some of these guys um, as of yesterday. So we don't have anything that we could bet on legally on domestics, uh, but Devin Witherspoon was like a 10 and a half which is a little bit ahead of uh, Gonzalez and Porter. So be interested to see what happens at the position. But again, I, I think it's really close between the three, Scott. Yeah, this is this is a line that specifically you're really going to have to pay attention to. When it comes to Witherspoon, like you said, the tape is great. The combine and the weigh-in is going to be what's big for him. Um, a lot of people think he's going to weigh in around 180 pounds, which kind of limits you know how, how you think he's going to be able to play at the NFL level against bigger, more physical receivers, which could dictate how teams see him as whether you know he's a – a traditional cornerback one or if he has to do a little bit more slot and, and wide receiver two covering so i i like the tape i, I like the 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 player um i kind of hope he can get in around that 5 11 and a half to six foot range and, and be in the, the 185 to 190 range i think that would make a, a huge difference in his stock so it's just going to depend upon how he weighs in and how teams view him definitely a position in need for the commanders though lots of questions uh, in the back half of that uh, that defense. Pittsburgh, uh, Roger Jones, offensive tackle out of Georgia. But the offensive line, they, I think, have everyone back. And they actually had a lot of continuity last year. The problem is, is that no one's really good along the offensive line. Um, so, like, they need to address it, I think, and add some, like, real talent. They do have questions also in the secondary. Um, so they also are another team that are very viable for whether that's Brian Branch is still on the board or if one of these corners happen to fall. Um, I do think that that's kind of what you see. I think you see the Steelers do something along the offensive line um, and second, something in the secondary. And I think that's probably advice I would give to folks too. And obviously something that we're doing is really trying to narrow the focus and identify team needs. And again, we'll see some of that just work itself out over the course of free agency, which will happen. We'll have you know a month of that plus before we get into the draft season. But like, these things are going to play themselves out, but like that kind of narrows the board here is, you know, we're going to see what Pittsburgh does. If they spend in offensive linemen in free agency, well, I maybe would feel a little bit better looking at the defensive side. If they go and get a really aggressive and adding someone like, you know, 
Jermaine Edwards or Terrell Edwards is a free agent at, at corner. I mean, it's uh, at safety. They have really nothing coming back at corner either. So like we kind of need to see what happens there, but I think those are the two spots for Pittsburgh. And the other thing you really have to note with Pittsburgh is Pittsburgh is one of those teams. They have a leak within their front office that gets out to their beat reporters year in and year out. Like you pretty much know the player and the position that they're, they're going to go ahead and draft. So it, it's usually not a secret. And this is, this is one of the teams I usually feel pretty comfortable honing in on year in and year out as far as like what position and what player they're going to draft. Um, so pay attention to that. Their betting market, I think, is always a good one to go ahead and target. Uh, next is Lions. Brian Breesey, who they, this from defensive tackle from Clemson, was basically like you looked at any your like really early mocks, like always going in the top ten. Uh, no, had some off the field issues and well, issues, but stuff going on last season. Um, you know, not a, a ton of tape. But uh, any thoughts on on him landing there, Scott? Or uh, is that uh, again Lions defense? They kind of nailed the draft last year, but again, they can add some some depth there at defensive tackle. That's for sure. Yeah, I think they're developing um, and they're drafting well and starting to develop uh, good things from the, like their front office and their, their coaches are, are kind of working symbiotically together as far as what they're trying to do. You know the, what, the, what the team is as far as their personality. And you look at last year with Aiden Hutchinson and then you have Brian Brzee. I think when you, you look at it, they would pair well together. You get to take, off, take away some of the double teams that you're going to see on Aiden Hutchinson. And then it also takes away some of the pressure that you would have with Brian Brzee. Look, he's a guy who has top 10 ability. You know, he's a, a sophomore coming out of, out of Clemson. I think the, the upside is there, and, and I just think the pairing with both him and Aiden Hutchinson makes a lot of sense for Detroit and, and their defense and what they're trying to build and specifically what they need. Uh, I'm going to buzz through a couple. Um, we'll circle back let you guys chime in with any thoughts. Next, you have Tampa selecting Cam Smith, defensive back out of South Carolina. Uh, secondary, definitely, as you know, in flux. Uh, you know, Jamal Dean, one of the um, you know featured cornerbacks out there in the marketplace. Uh, they're going to have some issues there. They need to to address. And because Tampa Bay is in uh, cap purgatory, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Buccaneers roster and how they address it. Brian Branch finally goes here, safety out of Alabama, who we've referenced could land at a few spots ahead. Uh, going to Seattle here. Seattle again, like we kind of danced around it earlier. Absolutely crushed their draft last year. I mean, you land starting uh, offensive tackles, uh, two of them, fantastic draft. Uh, you know, adding a corner, you know, adding a safety, like Branch could be another nice piece there. Um, next is the Chargers at 21 with Zay Flowers. We talked about out of Boston College, wide receiver. Keenan Allen could be on the move here. Uh, I think Flowers is a nice compliment in terms of what you would need to kind of pair with Mike Williams there on the outside. Uh, you mentioned uh, Todd Monken going to Baltimore as the offensive coordinator. They're next on the board. You mentioned uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, wide receiver out of Ohio State. Look, the Lamar Jackson thing is probably the biggest news of the offseason because he is the first domino to fall out of all these situations. He will be, it feels like, franchised. Will he play? Um, will they franchise and trade, uh, you know, tag him and trade him, which I think feels very much on the table, which is a wild situation, but – um, again, is he going to not participate in off-season stuff and then walk into a new offensive coordinator situation with unknown pieces? It, it, the Raven situation is is definitely one to watch this off-season. So I'll stop there. If you guys have any thoughts on the last couple of picks, um, I I mean, the more that I just look at the board, the more that I, getting a over four and a half receivers just feels like such like I mean, again, this is we don't know have that line yet, but I 
really think that's what it's going to come in at. If you can get that anywhere, I mean, minus, minus 150 or less is, I mean, a great bet because you not only have the top guys that like in the middle of tier here, but you have, you have the, you know, the Jaguars, I think are in play. You have the Giants who definitely need wide receiver help. Ravens, uh, like you said, absolutely need at least two receivers, you know, to add their chargers probably need a receiver, but then even further down the board, like I think like a team like the bills, the saints might be in play there uh, as well uh, for another wide out. So, and I mean, I wouldn't rule the chiefs out either. I mean, the chiefs are the last pick, like if, if there's still a good receiver hanging around here, like I, you know, a Jalen Hyatt would fit in great with Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, everyone fits in great with Patrick Mahomes. But my point is they don't have <laughs> that many solidified receivers. So um, no one stood out too much to me. I think that, like, once we get to this point in mock drafts, given this early, we haven't gone through free agency yet. We haven't gone through the combine. Like, a lot more of these guys will be solidified uh, in the coming weeks. Even you, your 5.9740, Connor, could, uh, could get it done with the Chiefs. We're testing this, by the way. We're going to the park. Daigle's talking shit in the Discord right now, too. So, you oh, know, no. uh, we need to get back at it. Yeah, I think when it comes to wide receivers, like we're talking about, the interesting part, I, I think five is definitely a number for the first round. And when I start looking at some of the boards and, and talent evaluators that I really value their, their opinions, there's not another wide receiver after these five that we're talking about that is basically projected within the top 50. So uh, I think five is going to be that number. We, we talked about the teams that you already mentioned, but Seattle's another team. When you, when you start looking at it, I think could add, add some wide receiver help. So there's a, there's a lot of teams here within this back half of the draft that I think are all going to be searching for wide receivers. And it's just going to be dependent on which ones fall. And, and I think five is it. I think that four and a half number that over is going to be the number to hammer. If you can go ahead and get it. Um, the one that interested me the most though, when I, when I start looking at things is specifically that, that Los Angeles Chargers spot, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Um, bringing in Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator. I think they, they vastly underperformed last year. Uh, Josh Palmer, was it was a surprise? He he kind of stepped up and played, but they had a lot of injuries last year. They couldn't get that that team all together on the field at the same time for the majority of the year, and, and it's going to be a make or break year for, for for their head coach there. I think he's going to be on the hot seat, and that's why you're seeing Kellen Moore come in. I, I think Kellen Moore, as far as a, a offensive coordinator who's with his play calling, looking to get a head coaching job, I, I think is going to be aggressive, and I think that's. That's definitely a spot you can see one of these wide receivers landing. And Zay Flowers is a guy that's definitely moving up throughout the uh, draft process with, with some of his explosive playmaking ability. Love it, Scott. Uh, next, you guys didn't even mention Minnesota at 23. I think is very much a play for a wide receiver. Uh, you know, Adam Thielen, definitely long in the tooth at this point. Uh, so questions of the you know, third and fourth receiver supporting Justin Jefferson. Like I think they're very much in play. Uh, Scott has them taking Kelly Ringo, uh, corner from Georgia, we got another guy that was often mocked inside the top 10 early, got lit up um, in a big, big way uh, in the playoffs. And I think that could impact his draft slot, but like they did try to add uh, secondary help late last year, you know, late first round, early second round um, didn't really pan out. So they definitely have a need there, but interesting to see how they approach free agency to see what happens there with Ringo and name that uh, again, could based off of his profile leading into it could test well and could be a name that moves back into the mix. Jacksonville at 24, you have uh guard out of Florida, Osiris Torrance. They're basically adding in Calvin Ridley, which is a really nice piece. They have some questions along the offensive line. So I think addressing that and protecting your best asset and Trevor Lawrence makes a ton of sense. They could continue to add that. They have some other questions in free agency as well. You know, they got a lot out of Evan Ingram last year. He's up uh, in free agency as well. Uh, New York Giants at 25, Jalen Hyatt, who we've touched on a few times, wide receiver out of Tennessee. Uh, we know what the Giants managed to do somehow last year with just 
I don't know, MacGyver style at the wide receiver position with all the injuries. They definitely need sort of a, a wide receiver one. Is Hyatt that guy? Is that guy available in this draft? Is that guy available at 25? Be interested to see what the Giants do, but they definitely need uh, some help there at the wide receiver position. The Cowboys are where I'm going to stop. Very interesting team here. You have uh, linebacker Drew Sanders out of Arkansas. Not a ton of uh, linebacker talent. A lot of questions. I mean, Leighton Vanderash dealt with injuries. Anthony Barr as well. They're both free agents. They need some help to allow Micah Parsons to really stay on the edge. Uh, when they really they lost kind of the juice out of Micah Parsons at times last year because they needed to move him a little bit more of, you know, even inside at times uh, and get him really out of what I think he does best. Drew Sanders definitely is that guy, and I think he answers that. Um, not a great linebacker draft, uh, as you mentioned, Scott, but the big thing here is like the wide, the running back position for the Cowboys is a question mark. You have great year from Tony Pollard. He obviously gets hurt uh, in the playoffs. He's a free agent as well. They can move on from Zeke. Do they move on from Zeke? Uh, Jerry Jones does seem to be loyal, Scott. And, you know, yeah, I think when we start talking about Dallas and, and, and everything comes down to Jerry Jones and, and Zeke has been a stalwart for a long time. You start looking at it and but moving Zeke is going to do a lot if, if it happens with this team. So you, you start looking at, at some of the things and I think Tony Pollard just moving on to Tony Pollard last year, he, he was the better running back and he's been the better running back for the last two years. And I think the Cowboys fans would love to just move from Ezekiel Elliott to Bijan Robinson. I think that would be a, a wet dream for some of them, but I, I just don't see it happening. I think the uh, I think Jerry Jones is going to work out a, a contract deal to maybe cut Zeke back a little bit before before they end up getting rid of him. I just for whatever reason, in my heart, my gut feeling, I just think Jerry Jones has a loyalty to Ezekiel Elliott that is not going to allow them to go ahead and take Bijan Robinson. Yeah, I mean, the, if we remember back to the draft and how it happened, I mean, he absolutely pounded the table to take Zeke ahead of Jalen Ramsey in that draft and was like, we're picking Ezekiel Elliott, you know, like, and that that's just how it worked. And since then, he's been loyal to him to a fault, like you said. So it does not, uh, it would not surprise me either way. I think the smart decision is to cut bait, but, uh, you know, Jerry just does Jerry. So, you know, I think that's kind of a wait and see thing. Buffalo on deck next to 27, Keon White on uh, edge out of Georgia tech. We saw that last year really impacted uh, when Von Miller went down. Like this was not the same uh, defensive unit that we saw early in the season. So they definitely need to address that white or uh, Von Miller. I'm sorry, getting up there in age, obviously coming off of uh, a massive injury that will impact his, his explosiveness as well. Um, Buffalo, another team that could address the wide receiver. Um, you know, Gabe Davis is a free agent after next season. He was definitely a disappointment last year. They really need, Another threat on the outside, again, continue to build around and support Josh Allen, I think makes a ton of sense. Cincinnati at 28. Cincinnati is in an interesting spot. Uh, they have both uh, safeties. Vaughn Bell and Jesse Bates are free agents. Um, they have some other questions there at the cornerback position. Uh, Cam Taylor-Britt slid in, especially in the back half of last year. It was really good. Um, they did a good job. Dax Hill can slide in at safety for one of those two guys, but they could still continue to add help there at defensive back could also be a landing spot for uh, an offensive lineman to add some depth there as well at Cincinnati. Um, Bijan Robinson's landing spot is with you, Scott in new Orleans, who, again, as you mentioned, we have a lot of questions surrounding the availability legally of Alvin Kamara, who, uh, you know, this was kind of a thought discussion last off season, but now 
it's kind of coming home to roost. We have to kind of figure out what's going to happen there. Uh, lots of questions for them. Uh, Philly with their second pick, um, adding uh, Luke Van Ness, the edge out of Iowa. Uh, this again, decent tape. I don't know if he has like the electric skill set. Seems like more of a bull rusher. I don't want to be uh, you know tape guy, but interested to see again. Philly loves. Uh, edge rushers getting sacks was a big part of their success last year, and they are dealing with some turnover there along the defensive line. And then you have Kansas City bringing it home. Dalton Kincaid, obviously a great uh, you know, offseason so far for Kincaid. Seems more of a prototypical, and as you reference here, Travis Kelsey, uh, more of like a uh, an offline pass-catching tight end. Um, anything you want to touch on there, Scott, as we wrap it up? Look, I, I went ahead and uh, I ended up with Bijan Robinson in uh, in New Orleans, and it was just the way this this particular exercise of going through this mock fell. But I think Bijan is a guy who we talked about earlier. I think he's he's going to go more in that 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 twelve to sixteen to eighteen range. I, I think the talent is just there, and he's he's the one where you start talking about which who's going to go first at, at different positions. I, I think it's a lock that Bijan is going to be the first running back. Um, when we start talking about New Orleans, New Orleans is a need as far as running back. It was, it was a revolving door last year behind Alvin Kamara. Kamara is a guy who has a lot of miles on the tread right now. Um, plus, we start talking about the legal issues. Could he miss four games, six games, eight games? And, and even with his contract and just the fact that New Orleans as a team right now does not have an identity, you know, post Drew Brees. They're, they're really under a gun as far as the cap. They're searching for a quarterback. Um, you know, they, they did well last year hitting on on some picks with, at wide receiver. But this is a team that needs to to get an identity. And, and you know, as far as like getting a running back like Bijan and then maybe getting a quarterback, they would then have one. So they've got a solid offensive line. They've got some pieces there at wide receiver. I think there's some things to build around. And I just I, I landed on Bijan because it was hard to slot him there within certain positions of this draft, because there's not a lot of teams where you would think Bijan should go that need that running back. So this is where he fell. I, I'm sure there's going to be some movement, you know, through the next few iterations of, until I land on my final landing spot for Bijan. But I think he's definitely one of the guys that's going to make or break this draft as far as like where he gets selected. Yeah, it's tough, man. He's going to be in the first round, but finding homes for these guys, especially in February, before we have a lot of this information, Connor gets really hard. Yeah, uh, I mean, I th I just think we're going to see kind of like what we saw from Seattle when they drafted Rashad Penny, and I believe they had Chris Carson or someone else uh, in the, at the time where everyone was like, oh, he's coming off an awesome end of the year. He's coming off a great or like he's looking good. And then they go ahead and draft a running back in the first round. One of these teams will surprise us. Just don't know which one. Uh, and so, yeah, I think he's a great talent. Again, probably will end up in that range. Uh, we'll see what over-unders come out at. You know, I mean, if, if they're putting an over-under at like 10, I'll take the over. Put an over-under 20, I'll take the under. So, um, you know, I think somewhere in that range makes a lot of sense. It's a good call. Again, this draft that we just walked through available at 444.com uh, for free. Scott will have um, a few more. Uh, Connor will have some. I'll have some. Uh, John Daigle will have some as well. And again, take advantage, subscribe, get the betting subscription, jump in the Discord, hang out with us. Again, best place to get all the information um, that we can give and share during this time of year. Because uh, again, like, look, we had Trayvon Walker, number one six, seven weeks before it happened last year. Um, again, there are certain instances where it's really hard to, uh, you know, bury our sources. Uh, but again, like there were things that, you know, Connor and I started talking about taking Ian Hutchinson over one and a half once it became like, he became like the surefire thing for number one. Uh, we're going to be able to find ways to get you information 
um, to be able to let you get down on this. And again, excited to have Scott on board, who has been really, really good at this. And you got a taste of that today. Uh, read the mock. You get a little bit more information than he was able to even share today talking through this. But like Scott's going to have some sources and connections as well. So again, information markets, people, just a different beast and a lot of fun to do it. So uh, we're excited about it. As Connor mentioned, this is our most profitable time of year. Uh, I think it's something that we do best and uh, want to have as many of you along for the ride. So 444.com slash plans, scoop up the betting sub. Again, it'll get one now. It'll take you all the way through this time next year. Uh, and then it gets you access to literally everything on the site, tools, articles. If you grind DFS, you're going to grind best ball this off season. If you're going to be dabbling in uh, March Madness stuff, you want to get in props. You want to bet sides and totals in tournaments. Uh, get the betting sub. Take advantage of it. If you want to get into the pick'em games, again, Vivid. Uh, Vivid use promo code four for four, fifteen bucks on Vivid, uh, and you'll get information on how to take advantage of the betting sub there. So, uh, Connor, anything for the folks before we sign off? Nope. Just stay tuned. Uh, Scott will continue pushing on mocks. We'll have another episode uh, next week. Yep. Scott, great job, buddy. Anything for the people? No, man, I'm, I'm excited for this. Uh, look, over the next two months, we're going to grind and do everything we can. We'll get some guests and some uh, some other shows and just to, to give everybody the information that they need to make this a profitable event. Um, like you said, it, it's where the markets are softest. It's where you can really, really gain an advantage throughout the year compared to some of the other betting uh, aspects that they have. So uh, I'm pumped to be on board. I'm pumped to pump, pump, push out some uh, some more content to, to go ahead and move the line and uh, go ahead and then help people make some money. Connor's going to have boots on the ground for the combine. I'm going golfing for a week, but Connor's going to be, I'm hoping he, his, his task is to come back connected with the different sources than we currently have. So again, he's probably not going to get any combine information that you're not going to have access to, but he's going to make some relationships late night in the bar, rubbing elbows. Uh, you know, hopefully we can get some, you know, some more work out of that. So Connor will have boots on the ground in Indy. Some people grind film. I drink and make friends, you know, it's a different, different audience. All right. Again, Subscribe here. If you're listening to this on the podcast form, rate and review, make sure you're subbing there as well. So you get all these, like uh, Scott said, we'll be back for one next week. And again, we'll have lots of other off season content here on the move of the line uh, podcast feed and on the four for four bets YouTube channel. So for Scott and Connor, I'm Ryan. We'll see y'all next time. Thanks. Everybody.